Well, welcome everybody to week two of Reboot. Now, if you are new with us or you just missed last week, Reboot is this six-week journey we're taking together as a church to help us learn from the things we've been through in the past, to help us let go of the things that are holding us back in the present, and to refresh God's purposes in our lives moving forward in the future. And to help us do that, we're not just talking about these topics on our Sunday messages, but we're also doing a reboot small group study in all of our adult home groups. So if you haven't yet connected with a group, either in person or virtually, reach out, connect, raise your hand, do whatever you got to do. Let us get you connected. And then the third element, the third thing that we're doing together as a church in this reboot journey is this daily Bible reading through the Bible app. Together, we are reading in the gospel of John. Now, some of you are probably wondering, why are we reading the Gospel of John when this series is not really based on the Gospel of John, right? We're not teaching through the Gospel of John, so why are we reading John's Gospel? Legit question. Here's the answer. Because it is helping us stay focused on Jesus, and that's so important. With all of the changes going on around us and all of the changes we are having to make in our lives, it is so important to anchor ourselves to the one who never changes. You know, change for the sake of change is not necessarily helpful or beneficial or moving us where we need to go. But as we read John's gospel, it gives us an opportunity to experience the presence of Jesus, to get to know the person of Jesus so that we can follow the pathway of Jesus. Rebooting without Jesus is like rebooting a computer when it has a corrupt operating system, right? It doesn't really do you any good to reboot if your operating system is corrupt. You might make some changes, but eventually you'll just end up with the same old junk that you were dealing with before. And so that's why we're reading the Gospel of John. So does that make sense? Is that, okay, great. And if you're not uh, following along on that daily reading plan, uh, there's a link to it on our web- website, on our app, probably being posted if you're watching online. I really want to encourage you to dig in to that because I think it's so helpful for this journey. Now, last week, we started our journey by talking about rebooting the strategy for reaching and connecting with people who are far from God. And while obviously many of the things that we've done in the past and many of the things that we are currently doing are going to continue to help us reach and connect people the way we always have, but these seismic shifts in our culture open some wonderful opportunities for God to expand the mission and vision, not just of us collectively as a church, but his mission and vision for our individual lives. Now today, we kind of want to shift a little bit from focusing outwardly to focusing inwardly. And I don't just mean within the church family. I mean inwardly within ourselves. 
I want us to talk a little bit today about what does it mean to do a spiritual reboot in your life? What would it look like to spiritually re or to reboot your spiritual growth? I mean, certainly, I think this past year, whether we wanted it or not, has given all of us an opportunity to take a long, hard look at our lives. Whether you've been a Christ follower for 40 years or you're a fairly new believer or whether you're just kind of checking out this whole Jesus thing, wherever you are on that spectrum, all of us have had to take a step back and do a little evaluation of ourselves, of our lives. We've had to reevaluate our priorities, our thinking, and our choices. And as hard as this past year has been, it's also been a great opportunity for spiritual growth, right? I mean, we've had many chances to trust God more than our circumstances or our politics or even our national pride. This, this past year has been an opportunity, if we've chosen, to take our faith to a whole nother Level. And so I want to dig a little deeper in that. What would it look like to reboot your spiritual growth? But before we answer that question, I think we need to answer a more important question, and that's this What is spiritual growth? When we talk about spiritual growth, what are we talking about? In your mind, if you think of a person who is spiritually mature, what is it that you think of? What does that look like? I think some of us would say, well, they have biblical knowledge, right? They know a lot about the stuff that's in the Bible. And some of us would say, no, it's, it's not about biblical knowledge. It's about good behavior, right? Spiritually mature people do more and more good things and less and less bad things in their life. Their behavior gets better, more moral. Some would say, no, it's not biblical knowledge. It's not good behavior. Spiritual growth is all about helping people, right? Doing things to help people who are struggling or in trouble. Here's what I want you to understand. All of those things are a part of spiritual maturity, but none of them are the heart of what spiritual maturity is all about. You notice what the Bible says about spiritual growth and maturity. Romans 8, 29 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like who? What does that say? Like, like his son. Become like Jesus. Notice what Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 15. He says, Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like who? like Christ, who is the head of his church. Spiritual growth is the lifelong process of becoming more like Jesus, to having more of the character of Jesus in our lives, more of the attitude of Jesus in our lives, to respond to people and circumstances more like Jesus responded to people and circumstances. And while if you look at Jesus' life, obviously, there are a lot of attributes of Jesus' life that all of us could develop more of in our lives, right? I mean, there's a lot of things you could do to make you more like Jesus. But I want us to look at two key attributes that are not only the most obvious things about Jesus, but I believe they are the most important things for us to develop in our life. 
When I read the Gospels, when I look at Jesus' life, the two things that jump off the page at me are, one, the intimacy of his relationship with God. I mean, he was just connected and close and walking with his Father constantly. The second thing that jumps off the page at me about Jesus' life is his humility, the incredible humility with which he served others. And so what I'm saying is if, if you want to reboot your spiritual growth, you got to start with these two core areas of spiritual growth, right? It's, it's like your car. If you want to reboot your car, you, you want your car to be improved. There's a lot of things you can do. You can wash it and wax it and make it look good. You can get a new paint job. You can detail the inside and have it cleaned up to a showroom finish, get all those French fries out from under the seat and all that. You can make it, get that new car smell. You could do all of those things, and that improves your car. But let me tell you something. If your engine and your transmission are the same old, same old, you're not going very far. Right? You may impress others with how good your car is. You may feel good about yourself, but you're going to be stuck in the same places you've always been unless you reboot the things that really move you forward. And so that's what I want us to dig in today, two key steps for a spiritual reboot. Two key areas of our lives that I believe are essential if we're going to grow spiritually moving forward. Number one, write this down. I need to develop a deeper intimacy with Jesus. If I'm gonna do a spiritual reboot, I need to develop a deeper intimacy with Jesus. Interestingly, intimacy is not a word we use a lot in church. We don't usually think about intimacy on this topic of spiritual growth. We think of intimacy as either that close physical or emotional connection between, say, a man and a woman in marriage. Intimacy is that two becoming one flesh. But when I look at Jesus' life, and when I look at the connection between Jesus and his heavenly Father, Intimacy really is the only word that comes close to describing the depth of his connection with his father. Jesus puts it this way in John 10. He says, just as the father knows me and I know the father, I and the father are one. You see that for Jesus, it's not just knowledge about the father. It's a deep, intimate connection with the father. That same thing has to be true for us. If you want to experience spiritual growth, you need a deep, intimate connection with Jesus because Jesus is our connection to our Heavenly Father. Look at what Jesus says, John 14, 20. He says, on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. Do you see that kind of intimacy? For Jesus, intimacy with God was not just the words that he spoke, but it actually showed up in the way he lived his life. See, it's easy for us to look at Jesus and say, well, obviously, he was intimately connected to God because he is God, right? He's God in the flesh. No wonder they are close. They are literally the same. But it's also important to understand that when Jesus was on this earth, yes, he was fully God, and somehow at the same time, he was fully human. And so if you look at Jesus' life, guess what? 
there are specific things that Jesus did to maintain the intimacy he had with the Father. And guess what? They're the same things that we need to do if we want to be intimately connected with Jesus. So let me just give you a couple ways. A couple ways how you can develop a deeper intimacy with Jesus. One, make time to connect. Make time to connect with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is not that much different than your relationship with anybody else that you want to get close to in your life. It takes time. You have to spend time together. You have to share and listen and go through experiences together. That's what helps you become connected, right? My youngest daughter, Caitlin, she met her current husband, uh, at that time was her future husband, while she was serving long-term with our Global Peace Partners in Guatemala. She was part of Living Water Adopted Child, serving there long-term. And Evan, her husband now, at that time, he just came for a week with a group from his church. He came for a short-term trip. They were just together briefly for a week, but there must have been some sort of chemistry or something happened because when he left and went back to her life, she stayed in Guatemala, but they stayed connected to each other. They would text and email and even FaceTime together. And apparently as that started to grow, when they began to realize that they needed to take that relationship potentially to the next level, that in order to explore that, it was not enough just to text every now and then. That FaceTime connections were not enough to get them to really know each other. And that's why when Caitlin moved back to the States, she didn't move back to Aiken. She moved back to Valdosta, Georgia, where Evan would live so that they could spend a year just getting to know each other really, right? To see how each other reacts to different experiences, to spend consistent time with each other. That's what you got to do in your relationship with Jesus. And it's the model that Jesus gives us. Look at Luke 5, 16. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Key word, often. Spending time connecting with his father was not something he did just occasionally. It's not something he just did when things were going bad in his life. It was a regular habit. You need to do that if you want to get a deeper connection with Jesus. That's why I'm always talking about the importance of developing that just daily time. You know, in the morning, in the evening, throughout the day, where you are just, not just praying and asking God to help you or giving him your grocery list of blessings. And it's not just reading through John in your Bible app and pushing the arrows till you check all the boxes and doing your religious duty. It's about being in his presence. Just really, as the Bible says, be still and know that I'm God. In other words, just be in my presence, communicate, connect, listen to me. Be with me, make the time for me. Lord knows this past year, we've had more time than we know what to do with, right? I mean, our very busy, overcrowded lives for a period of time there just came to a screeching halt. And many of us realize we don't do being still very well, do we? You know, we're like, I need to be doing something. I need to be. All of this time, and we didn't know how to be still. 
What I'm saying is, let's don't go back to the same old, same old in a post-pandemic world where we just go back to filling up our busy schedules and wondering why we feel so disconnected from Jesus. Got to make time to connect. The second thing we see about developing intimacy is you got to respond with obedience. Respond with obedience. See, Jesus not only spent time connecting to the Father, but he did what the Father told him to do. Again, Jesus knows what he says. John 8, 29. He says, the one who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone. You see the intimate connection? He's with me. He's not left me. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. For I always do what pleases him. Now listen, unlike Jesus, I know we can't always do what pleases God. But I know this, I can do more than I'm doing right now. There are some next step of obedience that I need to take in my life right now. That's really interesting. The closer you get to Jesus, the more you will begin to see the things in your life that you need to let go of. Things that you need to walk away from. Jesus, spending time with Jesus is like one of those concave bathroom mirrors, you know, the round ones that, that show every little pore and every little detail. The more you connect and spend time with Jesus, the more you're going to realize there are things in your life that you need to change. Not so you can be a better behaved person that earned Jesus' love, but because you recognize his love and you want to get rid of anything that is getting in the way of the full and abundant life that he has called you to and died for in order for you to have. You got to be obedient. So what? What would this look like for you, like right now, right? Is, is there some step of obedience you need to take to get a more intimate connection with Jesus? Is there some relationship you're holding on to, but you know it's unhealthy? You know that relationship is pulling you away from Jesus, not inspiring you towards him? And you know that, but somehow you just can't imagine not having that person in your life? Is there, there some hurt that someone caused you and you know you need to forgive them, but you're still just holding on to it? Is there some hang up, some issue, something? Because intimacy with Jesus is not just spending time with him, but it's responding in obedience to him. And then the third way, the third thing I want you to write down to help you develop deeper intimacy with Jesus is trust him in your troubles. If I want a better connection with Jesus, I gotta trust him in my troubles. Because trust and intimacy are two sides of the same coin. Those of you who are married or you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you get this, right? Because in order for you to be intimate with them, you have to trust in them. Otherwise, you'll be insecure, you'll be closed off. You won't really let somebody into your life. You won't ever be vulnerable unless you have trust in them. Same thing with Jesus. If you're not learning to trust him, you'll never have intimacy with him. One of the reasons Jesus had deep intimacy with God is because he had complete trust in God. You see that throughout his life. No matter what was going on, he just trusted God completely. Like that day, he and the disciples were taking a boat to cross the Sea of Galilee, and out of nowhere, an unexpected storm 
showed up, and it was not just some summer storm. It was a major gale force, hurricane-type wind. The reason we know that is because many of the people, the men in that boat, were professional fishermen. They didn't get scared by little storms, and they are freaking out. We know this is a huge storm, and yet in the middle of it, what is Jesus doing? He's sleeping in the boat. Like, really? I mean, he must have been exhausted to sleep through a storm. Or maybe he just knew he could walk on water. So what does he care if the boat turns over, he's going to be safe? No, I don't think that's what's going on. I think Jesus could sleep in that storm because he had complete trust in the one who controlled the wind and the waves. That level of trust leads to intimacy. You see, throughout Jesus' life, probably the biggest, the best picture of how much Jesus trusted God is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's literally hours, maybe even only minutes, before the soldiers show up and arrest him. And because he is fully God, he knows exactly what he's about to go through. He knows the pain, the beatings, the spitting on, the nails. He knows everything that's coming. And in that moment where he says to his disciples, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. But look at what he prays, Mark 14. Abba, Father. That word Abba is a term of intimacy. It's what little Jewish children called their dad. It's like we would say, Daddy, Dada, Papa, intimacy. He said, everything is possible for you, Papa. Take this cup from me. I don't want to go through this. But then look at what he says. Yet not what I want, but what you will. Can you imagine the level of trust? Your, your level of intimacy with God will be directly proportional to your willingness to trust God. And let me just tell you this. You will never trust God in the Garden of Gethsemane moments in your life and you are, unless you are willing to start choosing to trust him right now in the storms on the Sea of Galilee moments. If you're not trusting God with the little things, you're not all of a sudden going to have this level of faith that's going to get you through the true giant storms of life. So what's one struggle right now, one area of your life that you could trust God in? Maybe with your health the health of somebody you love. Maybe it's about your business or your financial situation. Maybe it's something going on with your kids or your spouse that, that you can't really get them to change. Whatever it is, intimacy with God is built on trust in God when I'm struggling. You want to reboot your life spiritually? Start by rebooting your intimacy with Jesus. Number two, the second key area, write this down. Develop the humility to serve others. You have to develop the humility to serve others. If deeper intimacy with Jesus is the engine of my spiritual growth, then the humility to serve others is the transmission that puts that into action. And you see that so clearly in Jesus' life. Notice what Paul says about him in Philippians 2. He says, Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider his equality with God something to be used for his own advantage, 
Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. That's why you've heard me say many, many times, standing right here, you are never more like Jesus than when you are humbly serving others. Key word, humbly. Because not all of our service is done with humility. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves for a minute. Sometimes when we serve, it's not out of humility, but it's out of how it makes us look to others. What it will do, what it will say about us, right? We serve to put a good coat of wax on our car so people will think we've got it all together. Sometimes we serve others because of the way it makes us feel. It's fulfilling some need in there that really only Jesus can meet. Sometimes, if we're really, really honest, sometimes we serve others because it makes us feel superior to others. Look at I'm helping these poor, pitiful people. These people who, you know, their life is a wreck, and I've got mine together so I can show up and help them. But serving like Jesus is always built on and expressed out of humility. So how do you do this? Two things quickly. To serve with humility, one, you have to focus on the people, not the problem. Focus on the people, not the problem. Here's why this is important. Because when you focus on the problem, then it becomes all about what you think they need or about what you can do for them. Sometimes as a church, as Christians, Sometimes we go out to serve others with sort of the, we're the white knight on the horse with the savior complex, right? We're here from the church and we're here to help you and we know what you need to do. You need to change this, stop doing this. It's all about what they need to do. But you never see that attitude with Jesus. I mean, Jesus is always surrounded by huge crowds of people with major problems, they got physical problems, they got emotional problems, they got spiritual problems. They're always crowding in to get to Jesus. But notice what Jesus sees when he looks at them. Matthew 9, 36. It says, when he, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless. Look, it's not that Jesus didn't see their problems. It's that Jesus started by focusing on the people, not their problems. You know why that's so important? Because a lot of times the problem we see ain't the real source of the problem. The problem is a symptom of a much deeper problem. And if we rush in going, well, you just need to change this. You need to fix that. You need to stop doing this. We deal with the surface and that issue is going to show up some other way. But if we'll listen Spend time with, walk with, seek to understand the people around us. It can open the door with humility for God to work and really change the true heart of the issue. So focus on the people, not the problem. Second thing to do this, be available when needed. Be available when needed. You know, one of our biggest barriers to serving others is busyness right? I mean, we love to serve God when it shows off our abilities and talents. 
We love to help people in ways that make us look good. But I'm convinced God is more desiring our availability than our ability. Great picture of this with Jesus, right? Jesus and his disciples are literally walking to Jerusalem for the last week in his life. He's literally going to face everything he'll face in that Passion Week. And if you could have got your hands on Jesus' Google Calendar, it was packed with important things to do. And as they're walking to Jerusalem, two blind guys sitting on the side of the road figure out that Jesus that they've heard about is coming by. And so they start to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And the crowd, recognizing the importance of where Jesus is going and how busy he is, they say, look, shut up, blind guys. He ain't got time for you. He's doing really important stuff. But notice how Jesus responds. Matthew 20, 32, it says, Jesus stopped and said to the blind men, what do you want me to do for you? Do you see that? First, Jesus focused on the problem. I mean, obviously, they're blind guys. You would assume they wanted to get their sight back. But Jesus doesn't start with that. He's like, what can I do? What do you need? You tell me. But then notice also, to help these people, to serve them, Jesus had to stop. In fact, you look at most of the miracles in Jesus' life, most of them are the result of interruptions in Jesus' life. He's going to do something, and someone shows up with a need. That's why here at Cedar Creek, we have this phrase we use a lot, see a need, meet a need. And most of the time, we think about that outside on the Jericho Road in the ditches of hurting people that we pass, and that is important. But a lot of times the needs are right here in our church family and within our church services and ministries. You you know, this past year, (laughs) a lot of people who have faithfully served for years are not yet able to safely come back to our in-person services. But when we kicked off an in-person option this past September, we got no shortages of children showing up. We got no shortage of Centerpoint students showing up. We got no shortage of first-time guests who are walking in and needing somebody to, to help them figure out where to go and what to do. And so what I'm just saying is maybe if you're not plugged in to a place to serve on your campus, Maybe the best way you could start a reboot in your spiritual growth is just find a place where there's a need and step up to meet that need. It's humble, serving with humility, the needs around us. Look, I I don't really know your life. I don't know what you really need to reboot your spiritual growth, but I do know this. It will absolutely take a deeper Intimacy with Jesus and a humble heart of service. Would you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for your willingness to let go of heaven and all that you had there and were willing to come and be born in the dirt. You gave up everything to make a way for us. So Jesus, help me be willing to let go of the things that are getting in the way of me living the life that you died on a cross to provide for me.
and for these people that I love so much. And so, Father, help us not just talk a good game about spiritual growth, but help us look and live and love and respond more like Jesus tomorrow than we do today. We need you, Jesus, to reboot your plan, your purpose for our lives. So move among us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.